Security clearance level three or above is required to access files. Command codes verified. Welcome back to GGR Pirate Radio. You heard the lady, ladies and gentlemen. We're back. It's another episode of GGR Pirate Radio. We're finishing up our 2019 superlatives. Uh, alongside me, I got the guy who wrote the Geek Sheets article about our 2019 superlatives. He also helped me find the, uh, the Great Geek Refuge back in 2015. His name is Steve Monick. I am the one to blame for this article, so... Send all your hate mail this way. I'll take care of it. It's all your fault. Make sure you send those emails to James Rambo at greatgeekrefuge.com. That's me, James Rambo. (laughs) We've also got the third part of our uh, three amigos when it comes to podcasting host here for GGR Pirate Radio. His name is MC Brooks. 2020 vision, two weeks. 2020 vision if barbara walters isn't there in times square when that ball drops to say i'm barbara walters and this is 2020 i'm gonna be upset you need to email someone that idea so they can make it happen i'm just saying if it doesn't then somebody dropped the ball here big time so uh we've also got joining us uh he is the i, I guess ceo if that if that's even a thing for Fantastic Forum, I mean, he he found Fantastic Forum. He's the host of Fantastic Forum. Uh, he is the executive producer of Fantastic Forum. He's also on television shows. He was on Homeland. Uh, he was on. You were in the Jack Ryan uh, show that they did on Amazon too, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Had yeah. a had a very small part if you know where to look. <laughs> he's a but the he's check a, here. <laughs> he's a prolific <laughs> small bit player actor when it comes to movies and TV shows. Uh, he was actually in The Winter Soldier, which is pretty fucking awesome. His name is Ulysses E. Campbell. Thank you for that stirring introduction, Mike. I really appreciate that. I will come on this show anytime uh, you ask me, just so long as I am awake. Hey, you know what? That's all we ask, as long as you're awake. <laughs> I wanted to. I wanted to jump into the geek sheets here because I. I, I really thought it was awesome um, what Steve did here with this when we talked about music because it's, you know, call it self promotion if you will but like i love how we all have each other's back i love that that rambo will share anything that mc puts out that that's pertaining to to ggr and anything i put out like we all are interconnected in that way and we're all supporting each other and i and i and i absolutely love it and like when when i saw music i was like oh i wonder what steve chose for his best song probably dream theater and then i look and i was like no better days by mc brooks oh well shit okay cool like that's I, I know I loved it. I, I mean, honestly, anything that, that you've put out this year or that you've put out musically, MC, has been just fucking fire, dude. Like, it's it still blows me away that you're like hanging out with us losers when you're like, you know, you're an actual musician doing like real shit. Um, but yeah, dude, like I'm with Steve. Like Better Days was like it was catchy as hell. Like I would I just have it on like um, my I this is we're not allowed to have cell phone devices on our desks at the place I work. So the only music that I can listen to would either be a radio, which there's no radio signal inside the building, or I, I literally still have an iPod that functions. And I have like one of those little docking radios things where you can just dock the iPod. And I have better days 
on my iPod, which is weird because they stopped making iPods like what, like six years ago. So it's kind of cool to have uh, a song that was written and created like this year on an old piece of technology. It would be like listening to like uh, that on like a Walkman is basically like the same thing. So. <laughs> To be fair, I still have an MP3 player also that I use regularly, so nice. I am right there with you. Yeah. There's something cool about it, especially, too, if you have, like, an old one that's floating around and you haven't seen it in a while and you, you pop it in and you listen to it and you're like, oh, shit, I have these songs on here? Oh, man, this yeah. is an awesome playlist that I have. Yeah. Yeah, because I still have my iPod from my freshman year of college. Nice. And even though, like, it, the like, it barely – it only works by – if I actually dock it because the battery doesn't work, it doesn't hold up well enough for it to work on its own. So it's really, it's always cool to go back and like remember the stuff I was listening to as an 18 year old in college. Yeah. It is. It's kind of like a time capsule. But yeah, like back to, to Better Days, dude. This was such a cool song. Like, since we actually have the, the artist of the thing that we're that we're talking about right now, um, give me a little bit of insight on this, man. Like, how, like, what's the songwriting process like for you? Is it just like you sit down one day with a notebook and you knock that knock that out in like a couple hours, or is it like as you're at work and you're like, oh, this would be a dope line, and you write that down, and it's like a like a process that takes a few months, um, or is every song different? Well, every song is different, and this one in particular is uh, this this one was was I, it's really interesting how this one actually came about because i um i was uh searching youtube for beats which is like unless i produce it like 99 percent of where i get my stuff from and i was working on um this project uh what year is it 2018 three two years ago yeah i was working on the project uh two years ago because i you know was you know, feeling kind of emo and heartbroken and, and stuff like that. And uh, um, I was I was gonna do I was gonna do this project that was like all like love inspired. And um, I found this one I found this one beat and it was really cool and I was like, yo, this is really great. But I don't like the drums on this. And uh, I wonder what the same. Uh, I'm not I'm not gonna spend money on this. So I actually went through a process of like finding the original sample that the person used and uh, then I just kind of remade it myself and, and made my own version with my own little touches and tweaks to it. And then as far as the, the, the actual songwriting process, um, it's interesting. Well, like the, the, the overall song, even though it is one composition, um, many of many lyrics from different parts of the song are actually taken from unfinished, unfinished material I had written like years prior, like, uh, ha one half of the hook, the, the end of the hook, um, the one that's kind of sing songy look my way, that whole part is taken from, uh, actually something I wrote in 2008 <laughs> that I never released and had just kind of had sitting on various hard drives ever since. Um, and it, it just, it kind of worked for the song and, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I just kind of filled in the gaps and then I recorded it and I came out kind of really happy with it and uh, I actually finished it two years ago but I, I never released it because I, I didn't exactly know what I was going to do with it because I decided to scrap the project it was going to be used for 
Um, but I, I still wanted to use it for something. And then earlier this year, uh, because I had so many setbacks and delays with Dark Dawn 2, I was like, all right, you know what? I need to just do something. I need to put something out. Like I've been idle for well over six months now. Like maybe I need to put something out so people know, hey, I'm still alive and I'm still <laughs> still doing this music thing. Still here. Yeah. Still here. And so I just made the decision to to drop it. I like the mix that I did and yeah, just made the decision to just put it out there and see what people thought. Well, I thought it was awesome. I mean, and, and obviously so did Steve because he included it in his article. I mean, you yeah, got top, you got top billing over Dream Theater, dude. Like, well, and it was kind of like what you said, Mike. It's like you know, you get to actually sit here and talk with the artist for one, and for two, we had been talking with MC and kind of going through the journey of you're like, ah, I hadn't really released anything. You're like, I have this thing in my back pocket and all this stuff. So like the evolution of this process. Um, you know, we got to kind of observe it as we spent more and more time with you um, and did more and more podcasts with you. Um, so, you know, kind of being observers to that journey as it was happening. Um, as much as I love any band or any musical act that, that I personally like or that had a big impact or anything like that, for our superlatives list, not only does the content itself have merit, but being able to go on that journey with you really was an easy call to make that the winner. Uh, thank you. <laughs> I feel, feel, I actually feel like, like an actual musician, <laughs> like it's an actual celebrity now. You should dude, man. Like it's, it's, you, it's an, you are an actual musician. You are yeah. a celebrity. <laughs> you, know? you like you, I think you undersell yourself, man. Like it's, I, I would have, like I was, I was reading this article about uh, diners, drive-ins, and dives, and it was talking about like because if you ever watch the show, it's just Guy Fieri going around eating a bunch of crazy food, and he's always like, "Oh, this is out of bounds. Oh, this is top notch. Oh, this I thought is you were about to say that like MC is the Guy Fieri of our team, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm not sure that analogy is gonna fly, but all right, let's see where Mike goes with it. Oh, it's oh, it's, I'm going I'm going somewhere with it. So I was reading because I'm I'm watching this, and he's always like, "Oh, this is this is great. This is wonderful." And I I looked up, I googled it. I was like, "Does Guy Fieri ever hate any of the food that he eats on diners, drive-ins, and dives?" I was like, "Because there's no way that it's always amazing, right?" And he was very honest in this interview. And he was like, you know, sometimes I go to these places and the food's okay, or it's just off a little bit. And you can tell when I say, like, there's certain things that I say, and I don't remember exactly what they were, but like, and then they'll ask him for like tips and he'll give him tips on like what you should do. But like, that's the, with us MC, it's the same thing. Like we're, you're going to know by the way we respond. If we're just like, oh, that was, that was great. Oh yeah, that, that was good. Hey, good job, man. And then we move on. But like the fact that we've gushed about it like multiple times, like with um, I can't even remember the name of it now. You're um the first one you let us listen to um uh, oh, from Dark Dawn. Thank you. Selfish, yeah, it was yeah. selfish. Like I was blown away because I was like, I dude, let me tell you, growing up in the Northern Virginia area, like you have a million people who are like, oh, I'm a rapper, dude. You want to hear my stuff? And you hear it, and you're like, oh, that's fucking horrible. And then you're just like, yeah, good job, man. That's great. You know, keep it up. Keep working hard. Like, I, none of us had to bullshit you. We were all like, who the fuck is this guy? Why is he hanging out with us? Like, I was amazed because everything you said, like all of the lyrics that you had, like I said, it was it was like nerdcore stuff. It was like all these comic book references and video game references. And like, but it wasn't like pandering. 
It wasn't just like, I'm going to mention Super Mario. Hey, because that'll get the kids. <laughs> no, you said this shit because you know this shit and you love this shit. And like that, it's genuine. And you don't get that a lot from music. Uh, na- well, nowadays, and that makes me sound like an old old man. You know, <laughs> damn kids and their ungenuine rap music. <clears throat> but like that for me, you can feel that in the music. Like you can feel someone's genuine love and affection for what they're doing. And that's always come through in the stuff that you've you've let us listen to. Oh, thank you. <laughs> kind of like low key blushing over here. Um, yeah, like I mean, uh, you know, I I try. I mean, I've been doing this since I was fourteen years old, and kind of only really doing it seriously for about ten years now. Yep. Yeah, summer two thousand nine, in the middle of a in the middle of teaching science to middle schoolers. Um, yeah. So I mean, th- <laughs> thank you. So I can really, of course, dude. Um. Steve, give me a little insight here too on on um, on the Dream Theater stuff because like that was cool. Like that was another thing that like I'll mention when I do my superlatives uh, later this uh, later this month is I got to go see your favorite band with you in concert. Like, how cool is it that it seems like almost like every year or two there's another Dream Theater album coming out? Like, yeah, that you that, know, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, that's a double edged sword too, though, because that's that exact thing that you mentioned they they were on this constant treadmill of write record tour write record tour write record tour and that's kind of what burnt out their original drummer who was one of the founding members and and caused a pretty big rift in the band um and some people say they've never been the same since however i'm not one of those people i think the band is not 100 percent the same but equally equal in the quality of what they're putting out it's just a a different avenue you know it's just because it's not chocolate ice cream doesn't mean the vanilla ice cream you're eating is bad it's just different yeah um so the uh yeah the new album dropped uh february of of this past year i just put untethered angel because that was the first single of of the three that they put out but yeah really more so um that was the only other one that had any kind of personal connection to to our group here obviously mcs was a little bit more because it's actual music made by an actual person that we we're speaking with on a, on a regular basis but um yeah we got to in the what you said what would you call it, the first annual ggr get together yeah <laughs> uh that, that we had that that was the the end of it that, that's what how we finished up that where, where you and i went to the concert together and um not only did they play stuff off that new album but it was the 20th anniversary of my favorite album that they did scenes from a memory so uh, it was just a really good time. Uh, so that, that got an honorable mention. And don't worry, I did put in the article, yeah, this is a total favoritism pick. That's why it's only an honorable mention, not a winner. <laughs> yeah, man. And it's it was... It's funny, the older I get, the less I'm connected with music. So it was very hard for me to find like anything that was like, hey, this was the best song of 2019, because I don't really have anything. Like it's <laughs> you and me both, man. <laughs> and it makes me feel bad. Like it makes me again. Go, it makes me feel old. But at the same time, too, like I listen to like like the, the top like the top forty radio station with like my uh, with my stepdaughter and my son and my wife. And like, there's just nothing that really jumps out at me. That's like, wow, this is fucking amazing. I really like these guys, or I like this song. Um, MC, you're you're our go-to musical expert. Like, it, what was like the the best new stuff you heard this year? That was like, man, this this is some this is a fucking amazing song or an amazing album. Um, how much time do we have? <laughs> I could really, I could probably really take up the uh, like the remaining time in this podcast. I mean, 
this year, I, like honestly, this year was it was a really great year for for music and kind of it was really kind of underrated also because it just seemed like there was just constantly just new stuff uh, being released. Um, give me a second. Oh, I've I've been okay. I've been anyone who's like a fan of like hardcore like '90s New York rap. Yeah, Griselda, Griselda Records probably released probably the one of the best rap albums of the year because it is it is it is straight 90s it is very excuse me, it is very 90s it is very hardcore and it's very street and it's just like listening to it just reminded me of listening to the locks for the first time when i was younger like it's it's that it's it's that kind of stuff like it's, it's really dope um trying to think who, who else had music this year uh, oh, the, the, oh, Lizzo, Lizzo, of course. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, they, I, you I, know I, what? I've been, hey. I've been listening to Lizzo for three years, so like it's it's, it's like I forget sometimes. <laughs> let me let me let me agree with that. That okay, I like Lizzo because yeah, the reason I like it. Well, first off, like she does not give any fucks at all about anything, and that's <laughs> yeah. that's what I really like about her. But like Jax loves that fucking song man like he sings it in the car and like it just makes me laugh every time because of how excited it is he's like i do my hair flip check my nails yeah like it, <laughs> I, I, and he does the falsetto he's like he's like how you feeling girl feeling good as hell like I, I every time he does that and it's yeah like it's i i like that this is the, the this is the thing we're starting to see with music is like this is lizzo as if you're not familiar is a bigger girl and like we We've all seen it a million times. Oh, you know, you, you should you shouldn't wear revealing clothing. And she's like, I don't give a shit what you think. And like, I love how like not independent, but like how like free she is. She's like, I'm gonna do what I want. I'm gonna sing about what I want, and I don't give a damn. And that that's like such a rock star mentality, even though she's not, you know, doing rock rock and roll. Doesn't matter. Like the fucking rock mentality has like inundated itself into all forms of music, and I love that. I love when when somebody is like unabashedly themselves, and that's that just that comes through every time. Yeah, you know. In fact, I I just want to throw in a plug for because uh, the song that I like, and I I heard my wife play it, and I was like, wait, what's this? And you know, so then you know, when I still had the, the morning show, I, I I played that cut a couple of times. But yeah. that juice, you know. Oh yeah. Ain't my fault that I'm out here getting loose. Gotta make it on the. I was like, whoa! I'm like, what? what's this? Awesome. <laughs> I mean, I love that song. I submit. So you know, so I guess I do have. Uh, like 2019, I can see, yeah, that Lizzo chick, man, and Juice, that particular song, has got Yuli's vote for song of the year, basically. Uh, absolutely, I, yeah, I'm a, I, I love Lizzo, and like, this is like, I, I'm, I've low key kind of had like kind of a hipster moment with her, because <laughs> I've again, I've I've known about Lizzo for about two or three years now. A, yeah. a friend of mine actually sent me Good as Hell when it was originally released. And I kind of I fell down this rabbit hole. I was like, yeah, okay, who is this? Who is this? Who is this? And why does it sound so incredible? And then I actually did some some deep diving into her like catalog and stuff, and discovered, oh, she's from many. She's uh, she was part of the Minneapolis uh, rap scene. Oh, which, wow! Which uh, you know, anyone who's familiar with Minneapolis rap, you, that's that's atmosphere. That's Rhyme Sayers. Uh, Rhyme Sayers record label, which you know has which uh, atmosphere is part of it. MF Doom has been part of it. Brother Ali, ID and abilities, 
Like she she was part of that whole scene for a while, a couple years ago, and she had actually done music with people who I was like previously familiar with. So I was like, oh, holy holy crap! And it's it, it's actually really interesting because when you go and listen to like that stuff from like 2014. You wouldn't recognize it because Lizzo actually started out just like straight rapping before she started singing and doing like the the pop music she does now. So it's been kind of like a really, really cool journey to kind of have see where she came from, where she was like just doing one thing, doing it really well, too, and then kind of morphing and branching out and then becoming this whole other type of musician that is also just as great. And just as creative and just as awesome. Yeah. You know, I wanted to, I have a weird, like, new to me sort of thing about music, like music of 2019. Because, like, um, in doing all of the Stop Me If You Heard This podcasts, I ended up really appreciating artists that I didn't really know a lot about before. And the one that, I'm pulling it up right now. It was, I don't even remember if I did it in 2019. I'm going to double check, but I, th- I think I did. Uh, was Bowie in? Yeah, Bowie was in 2019. Like, I only had like a passing knowledge of the dude. Like, he's David Bowie. Everybody knows who fucking David Bowie is. And you're like, oh, changes. Like, everybody knows that song. But like, in doing the Stop Me If You Heard This About Him, I, I, fuck, this dude was amazing. Like, just such an amazing artist, an amazing writer, was ahead of his time when it came to like the things that he knew and the things that he thought. And like he literally would change genres like it was nothing. And he would be amazing in the new genre that he went to. Like he, the guy just was just a consummate professional when it came to music. And like I was just blown away and almost disappointed in a way that I didn't appreciate him when he was still around. But like, and just fi- like finding his catalog and really just like deep sea diving into it, um, it was just like man, this this guy really this really was a huge loss. That such an amazing artist passed. I mean, essentially before his time, and like that last album, Black Star, is essentially all just it's a it's him writing his own eulogy, which is just like <laughs> like that's so fucking weird, but like it's so crazy and and amazing at the same time. Like like he nobody knew that he was dying with the exception of like a handful of like of, of chosen people and like he releases the album it hits number 1 and then he dies the day it hits number 1 like how fucking wow. crazy is that like yeah so that was my 2019 music thing was just like learning learning about music that i probably should have known more about when i was younger but honestly still appreciating it uh, still appreciating it now um, as an adult I, well, I, I do have a, a recommendation, and I think every, I think literally everyone here should check them out because they're really cool, and it also ties in with I think something we're gonna talk about, or some, at least something from the from the geek sheets too. Yep. So there's this group called Zarface. Mm-hmm. It is made up of uh, MC Esoteric, his producer Seven L, and Inspector Deck from Wu Tang Clan. Ooh, and basically. They, Zarface is a created is a created character because they're both huge comic book nerds, yeah. and so all of their album covers are all comic book inspired. They make a ton of like all of their music is all comic book inspired, and like references like all of those old like superhero cartoons from like the sixties and seventies, like stuff that the like stuff I would I wouldn't have seen I wouldn't have known yeah. about now. 
Um, but they've, they've pumped out just a, a ton of music. Um, they actually just released their second album of this year uh, last week. Uh, after they, they did one with Ghostface Killer earlier this year, they have one with MF Doom that they did last year. And there's just, it, it's, it's really fun and really cool to listen to. And it's, if you like selfish, like they, they do it like, like I did, but like on like a whole other level because they actually have like, like legitimate comic book knowledge that they use to write songs and drop really cool bars in. And I think everyone here would be like would be would like them because they're dope it's what i said as i tied his hands and feet to a post on a random street then i chop his little body up in a sandwich meat a flying handsome version of brian cranston holding a cop of ransom open the mind of manson clean it out but keep every bit of the violent ransom make some giant fans that want this wild anthem a phantom to rant it on quick turn the cameras on get a pick with him with a dying rapper he's landing on as he turns the post cannon on said he bought it on amazon now tell me what the fuck are you planning on Nothing is wrong, can't be wrong. Airheads out like the candy's gone. It's our face. Bad to attack your heart again. Destroy your ass like tracks from the Guardians. Zal face is here, we got yeah, you. No doubt. I'm worried. You think this is safe? See, I'm straight. Y'all got it twisted. I'm great. Y'all not as gifted. See, I'm straight. Y'all got it twisted. Yeah, I mean, you did that last year too, where you gave me a lot of recommendations for music. And like in 2019, MF Doom is a perfect example. I had heard of him from his uh, interactions on like Adult Swim and things like that, but I'd never really like listened to much more of his stuff. And and I, God, was I happy that I did. Like between you and said man, you guys really yeah. turned me on to him, and that was that was really cool. Um, I wanted to go into podcast here because uh, I wanted to go ahead and kind of wrap things up here, uh, real quick if we could. Um, Steve, go ahead, man. This is your this is your baby. Yeah, but real quick, um, before we get into that, there was, uh, you know, like you mentioned, the whole comic section that, that Rambo was nice enough to write, and we're going to yeah. touch on that at another time. But you did slip in a little piece I think it would be okay if we touched on now. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree. So do you, you want to hit on that that part that you wrote in our, in our another of our, our com- uh, comrades that uh, made, the, <laughs> made the list here? Yeah, um, I, I can't stress enough how awesome it is seeing – amazing people do well when you see good people like people that are genuinely good human beings succeed it's it's awesome and the person we're talking about is steve steve connelly he's he's been on ggr pirate radio multiple times Uh, in fact we did some star trek related podcasts uh that we called trekville and he was he was essentially like if you saw artwork promoting baltimore comic-con it was more or less drawn by steve connelly like he was prominently featured his, his book, the middle age is just doing so well. It was, let's see, I'm reading through it. Best web comic nominee for the 2018 Ringo awards, best web comic nominee, 2017 Eisner awards, best cartoon, or, or I'm sorry, best cartoonist, uh, 2017 Ringo awards, best web comic nominee, 2017 Ringo awards. So he keeps getting nominated for this in multiple years. He, it was this year too. He got nominated for best colorist, best cartoonist. The guy does great stuff and he just could not be a nicer person. And he is just like, it's so awesome that he wants to hang out with us nerds and talk to us. And like, he always has complimentary things to say. He's like, Oh, you guys are awesome. You guys are great. Your podcasts are so much fun. I love, love listening to him. So, I mean, I feel like the least we can do is just shout him out whenever we possibly can. Steve, Steve Connolly, you are the fucking man, dude. And I'm so glad that you got some, some of your due by being like a featured artist at Baltimore comic-con. 
Yeah, it's always good when someone makes a quality product. It's always good when someone's like a genuinely good person, but it's great when they're both. So yeah. we're, we're lucky to, to know a guy like that. And again, great first name. Love it. <laughs> uh, so with, with the superlatives, I would be remiss if I did not uh, include a best GGR podcast of the year. Um, and speaking of divisiveness, this might be the most divisive of all because I think we're probably all going to have a couple of different episodes that were our favorite, the most fun to do, things yeah. that had the funniest jokes, et cetera, et cetera. Um, my personal favorite was the Katsukon one. I don't know <laughs> what was going on <laughs> in that particular night. Uh, we were all just kind of drunk on hilarity. There was a lot of um, goofiness and jokes and just hearing about MC's misadventures and then just rolling off of that i don't know that that's when i can go back and listen to time and time again and still get a good laugh at all the nonsense there um and the honorable mention that i put in was our episode the heavy stuff so imagine katsukon and then the complete opposite of that as far as content goes um that one um i put as the honorable mention just because i was really impressed with our ability to cover such a serious topic in and amongst all the other topics that we cover and kind of not miss a beat, still keep that GGR spirit of don't be a juice bag um, with something serious versus something that's comic book related, you know, something goofy, some theory, something like that. Um, but, you know, talking about the serious life questions and really, I mean, when you think about it, some of the conversations we end up having, okay, not the Katsukon one, but some of the other ones we talk about, Something that starts out innocuous, like a movie or a comic book or something. And sometimes we do get a little serious about um, the topics that we cover. So, you know, those two episodes kind of to me were the bookends that all of our other podcasts fall between, like topic and tone wise. Uh, so I was really, really proud of us this year for those. But if you want either end of the GGR spectrum, those are the two I would recommend. So there were a couple that I, I as somebody who's and don't this is not taking away anything from from you guys let me state that up front okay but i mean i think everybody would agree that i'm probably more intimately involved with the production of the pro, the podcast themselves since i'm the one who edits them and then and then post them so i listen to them most most likely for the most part i probably listen to them more than anybody else does so it's hard for me to even narrow down like one or two i have like like seven and like <laughs> There was an episode that it was Steve. I can't remember why you weren't on that night, but it was just me and MC. And we talked about the Netflix doctor documentary abducted in plain sight. And we talked about Bryce Harper too. And it was just like, it was just the two of us just going off and just like dying laughing at like some of the things that, that, that one was really, really good. There was a diner episode where we talked about the, the dude running, uh, he was jogging and he got attacked by a mountain lion. <laughs> and we talked about that. Like, good. There was also that politician in Florida who licked one of her constituents like it. Yeah. And it, it was it was just a really, really fun episode where we were just kind of just riffing on things. Um, I really liked the Katsukon one, too, because that was just the stories were fucking amazing. All the Danny DeVito shit was just hilarious. <laughs> um, when I it was it all came from a slip of the tongue, but it's one of my favorite things we created. I accidentally said instead of the band, the 90s band Limp, Limp Biscuit. Yeah, I said Limp Brisket. <laughs> and then, yeah. And we were like, oh, that's a fucking genius idea. Why is Fred Durst not opened up his own barbecue place called Limp Brisket? Yeah. 
Uh, that one was I good, mean, but like, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, didn't he just direct like a Redbox movie? So obviously yes. he is diversifying his portfolio here. Let's get in business. Come on, oh, Fred. Yeah. Get your get your shit together, Fred. Um, there was that one was good. Um, we man, we dragged Bryce Harper so hard in 2019. <laughs> boy, for good reason. If we ever, if we ever wanted that son of a bitch to listen to our podcast, boy, is he not listening to it anymore? Because <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's basically like, hey, just skip all of 2019. Just. Yeah, yeah. Hey, don't don't listen. If you see yourself, if you see a picture of yourself, bro, just don't listen just, to that podcast. Yeah. Okay, like, just just move on. Just move on. Just you, you're good. Um, Steve, I wanted to give you credit because we have been working on the fucking Marvel superhero March Madness shit for like wow. five years, and we finally started doing it. Like, we finally <laughs> were able to put it all together and start doing it. Um, I want to give a shout out to Yuli here um, because we did we did a crossover with another podcast. Um, it's it was called the um, what was it called? Shoot, what's he call it? Um, it was with Dave Thomas, and we did the um, oh um, ground rule double. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Yuli, you son of a bitch, like you. <laughs> You, they okay. So basically, it was a conversation about Joe Flacco, and this guy on their podcast proceeded to be like, "Joe Flacco is garbage." And Yuli was like, Mm-mm, "Hang on, hold up. This is a dude who won the Super Bowl MVP. This is a dude who marched the Ravens into the playoffs and won a Super Bowl. This is a dude who earned his contract. I will not have you besmirch the good name of Joe Flacco, <laughs> sir." And like the guy was just like, "No, he's trash." He's, he just was trying to yell over Yuli, and Yuli was like, "No, I'm not having it. Fuck you." And like I was so proud because Yuli did not back the fuck down once and I was just like god and I just sat back I was like I'm just yes. this. like yeah it was so entertaining and I enjoyed every minute of that like it was awkward it was awkward as fuck I was like I can we just get off of this and do our podcast now, please? <laughs> I, mean, I mean I appreciate that personally I wish it wasn't you weren't backing the Ravens Joe Flacco side of the equation, Yuli, but even, I appreciate yeah, the mocks, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, if there's a guy who's trash, he's trash, but, you know, Joe Flacco, he's trash now, you know, but it's like, but that's not what he said, you know, I mean, he was like, like the guy was no good, and, you know, I mean, you just, I mean, hey, I, I, I as, as a, I mean, because regardless of whether I'm actually watching it, I'm still a, a, a sports fan, an NFL fan. And I have I mean, it's getting to be the time of year when I'm generally going to engage more with that. But, you know, there's some players where, um, you know, you you see them, uh, you know, particularly if you live in that market and you have some familiarity with them. And, you know, I mean, Joe Flacco, I mean, he was all right. There, there's some of those moderate guys, you know, who you might describe as being serviceable or something like that. And, but this guy actually was good, you know, and as how are you going to say a freaking Super Bowl MVP, you know, is trash? I mean, that's like, I mean, damn, you know, come on. Just, I mean, at, at least be more measured in terms of your comments. I mean, I just found what that guy was saying to be so outlandish that I couldn't let it pass. Basically, like, Yuli, what you're saying is, you said to this guy, you can't sanction his buffoonery? Is that what you were <laughs> saying? <laughs> Look at this guy. There it is. There it is. Oh, there it is. Fucking, I the fucking tie-ins. I love it. His buffoonery. No. Oh, that was a great goddamn episode, too. Oh, 
we when we found out that um during the filming of of Batman Forever when Jim Carrey was playing the Riddler and Tommy Lee Jones was playing Two-Face that like the first day of filming, right? Like Tommy Lee Jones is out eating dinner with his family and Jim Carrey walks into the same restaurant, right? And he's like he's like, "Oh, hey, there's my new fucking co-star, right?" And he walks up to him and he's like, "Oh, hey, Tommy Lee Jones." And the color drains out of Tommy Lee Jones's face. And he just like stares at Jim Carrey because he fucking hates Jim Carrey and Jim Carrey couldn't figure out why. And he goes, is, is there a problem? And Tommy Lee in a very measured tone looks at him and he goes, I cannot sanction your buffoonery. <laughs> and and like just he fucking hated the guy. He thought he was ridiculous. Like he I guess he didn't like when people use their butt to talk like it was it was just it was the fucking greatest line ever. And like. Yeah, and, and we had a great conversation about about like movies and like the, the the goings on behind scenes, and we talked about like little things you could do to change a movie if you changed one scene, that sort of stuff. And it was uh, that, that was, was really great. Too. But let me tell you another great episode too is when me and MC and Steve and Yuli were all on the podcast, and you guys got to hear me and MC trash the man who killed Hitler and then the Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a classic one, too. Yeah. <laughs> fucking movie. I swear to God. You know, and the worst part about it is, with this movie, is it had a line in there that is one of the best lines I've ever heard in a movie ever. Like, when he's sitting there at the dinner table talking to uh, Ron Livingston about Hitler... And he basically says, like, yeah, OK, so the Hitler that you guys killed, uh, that they found dead in that bunker in 1945, that wasn't even the original Hitler. That was like the fourth one, because at that time they had created this monster and the person who it was didn't matter. Why do you think he had that outfit and that stupid mustache and the hair? It was all a symbol so they could get anybody to play that role. Like it was he was just a figurehead. And I was like, holy shit. Like I was <laughs> I was dumbfounded and like. And then the rest of the movie just turned to shit. Like it was <laughs> that's that a cool theory. We said it's such a garbage film. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. And then um, when we talked about uh, we talked about Mountain Bustmore, and we went off on our, our rant about um, Vince Young and his five thousand dollar a week cheesecake factory tab. <laughs> 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 oh, man. <laughs> I'm just looking through some of these episodes, man. And God, did we talk about some cool shit? Like, we just had such we had such a fun time. In You're very liberal with the word "cool," by the way. Very <laughs> liberal with that word. Yeah, talked about some some stuff. I guess I don't know. <laughs> we have we have an eclectic taste when it comes to the podcast here at GGR. Let's 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 be honest, okay? Like, indeed. <laughs> yeah, we we oh, and then there was there was literally from. Let's see. This was October 5th to October 12th to October 20th to the 27th to the 29th to November 3rd, where we were talking about baseball every single every week. <laughs> week. And it was in D.C., let me tell you, being able to talk about a championship run. Hey, these might be few and far between. OK, so like. It was it was just really cool. That was a really fun run where it was just me and MC just geeking out. Hey, remember this part? Oh my god, that part was great. What about this part? Oh, that was fucking amazing. And Steve, you you took it like a champ, buddy. You didn't like once be like, would you guys shut up about your stupid baseball team? You were just like, you're like, hey, I'll let you guys have this because I don't know. We've only had like eight million championships here in Pittsburgh. You guys have what six? Okay, congrats. Pat on the head. You know, like it's. Basically, my whole strategy has been let you guys set the precedent of okay. 
annoyingly and constantly talking about when your team is good, knowing full well that all of my teams will do that more than they won't. <laughs> so the precedent has now been set, and I can just be that guy constantly as the I, years go on. I, I think that that's fair. If, if if Pittsburgh has a run here anytime soon with any of their sports teams, we'll be like, and now, because of a contract that we signed with the devil back in 2019, <laughs> Steve Monica's allowed to rant about his Pittsburgh team. Like, And honestly, like I'm probably going to end up watching whatever playoff run it is just so that I can know what's going on too. Cause like, I, I can't hate Pittsburgh except for the penguins. That's the only team I can't get behind. But like, I, I can't hate the city. It's a great city. Like the people, I, I have a ton of friends that are from there. Like you guys have weird food. Like it, that that's also delicious. Like it's, it's just a really nice area. And I mean, it's not like it's, you know, Baltimore. I mean, like it's <laughs> something we can all get behind. Well, the city let, of let champions, just... according to Yuli. i was gonna say let me just throw this in because all right so that that you know you all talking about the nationals every week that might have opened the door you know for steve uh you know when the penguins or the steelers or the pirates uh you know go on a run you know to be able to talk about that but i i will just simply say that the the new york yankees are so good you don't have to say a damn thing, you know, it's like, you know, in fact, I was cracking up because uh, I got a text message from Mike um, when uh, Garrett Cole got signed and he was like, man, I'm shocked that you're not like more excited about it, you know, and I was like, oh, yeah, well, you know, I was hoping we were going to get Strasburg too, quite frankly, and I was just, I was really disappointed when Steven Strasburg signed, re-signed with the Nationals. And, uh, yeah, Cole, you know, that was like the girl you wanted to take to the dance. But, uh, you know, the Yankees farm system is, you know, still producing other players. We're going to get some folks back healthy. You know, so it's all that to say there's every reason for optimism. But this is the distinction with fans of that this particular team. Because of the incredible, unprecedented success that the Yankees have enjoyed over the past century. I hate you. There is this expectation of excellence every year. And so every season, you go into the season as a Yankees fan expecting they're going to win the World Series. You know, and so, and you have to say anything because with 27 World Series championships already <laughs> under their belt, laying it on you know, thick. It's just, yeah, it, it's just, it's not unreasonable, you know, to think that they could go again. And, and hell, what? I mean, they basically been eliminated from uh, the playoffs in the ALCS, you know, for like the past couple of years. I mean, this is like, wow, okay, all right. You know what's interesting, though, and I want to say this, and it's not, I, I swear to God, this is not an insult, so don't take it as such, okay? But this is how good the New York Yankees are. This last 10-year stretch, this last decade, from 2001, or I'm sorry, from 2010 to 2019, is the first decade since mm-hmm. the 1910s mm-hmm. that the Yankees have not gone to a World Series. And it's not even like an insult because, like, no. again, you're like 27 World Series. But, like, like, how fucking amazing is that? And, like, it's like the Yankees knew that and they were insulted by that. And they were like, we're going to sign the biggest pitcher to the biggest contract ever because we're the motherfucking Yankees and we can. Like, it's... That they will, they refuse to let that slide. And like, not only that too, 
with all that news that came out about the Astros and them cheating like a bunch of assholes. Like, I, I'm almost wondering if like any of their victories are are, are are legitimate and like, are they all tainted? Fuck, is this how everybody felt about the Patriots? <laughs> Yeah. So I, you know, I work in a bank and obviously got very nerdy. And I also like yeah. Garrett Cole, um, yeah. you know, because obviously he was a former pirate. That's true. Um, yeah. So I was like, let's do a little math here. And obviously, I'm making some assumptions that uh, he obviously the 324 is not all 100 percent guaranteed. But yeah. assuming it was, just in case anyone was wondering, and I don't think anybody was, but uh, if he stays at the same average number of pitches he throws every year plays out the entire contract and gets the whole thing, every single pitch he throws will be worth over $16,000. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's like $16,363 per pitch. Well, and you figure since, I mean, ultimately he will probably not play out the entire contract. It's going to end up being a lot more than that. When you think that he's like throwing like a, sedans worth of value every single time he throws like every time he you know dirts one throws a, a ball four throws one and gets cracked out of the park and you're like so i just paid it like a you know like a nissan ultima for that <laughs> there you go well you hey, know, ultimately it's going to be about the rings you yeah know, if he can help yeah. i mean i remember the last time they did uh you know some big signings like that and it was when they got uh, cc sabathia and aj burnett now, it didn't work out with Burnett, but they had Sabathia for years and years. I mean, they basically ran him into the ground, you know, is what it was. I mean, he wasn't even any good yeah, at the end there, you know, but he was still going out there for his starts. It was like, damn, all right, you know. I mean, so, you know, I, and hopefully it'll be something similar with, uh, you know, with Garrett Cole. Again, though, I'm very disappointed, mainly because I had been talking trash about Strasburg from the very beginning, you know, I mean, when he, you know, as a rookie, he came to the Nats and I'm like, boy, in about five years, he's going to look great in pinstripes when we snatch him away from you, you know, but then, you know, he, his play fell off at one point, but then man, he came roaring back like gangbusters this year yeah. to where I was like, Oh, I want this dude. <laughs> I want him. <laughs> what's, a, what's amazing about him though, is how, how much of a throwback player he is because in signing with the Nats, basically, First off, for every single person out there that that shit on the Nats for uh, shelving him in 2012 after his Tommy John surgery in 2011, um, you guys can just eat a giant bag of dicks because it is the reason why Strasburg resigned with the Nats because he was like, I trust this organization that they care about me mm. and what's best for me. Mm. And like the fact that they did that, wow. the fact that he sold his home in San Diego, he's from San Diego. He sold his home in San Diego. And this is before he signed the contract with, with the Nats. He sold his home in San Diego and then bought a home in the DC Metro area because he wants to stay here. He said, I want to be a national for life. Like this is not the new crop of young players. He's not like Bryce Harper, who was like basically the highest bidder gets me. I'm willing to go anywhere. I'm willing to say whatever, uh, whatever I'm told to say based on the paycheck that I'm signing. And then also too, let me tell you about karma and how it has fucking worked out for DC sports teams. Okay. People were pissed 
when we found out that Rendon signed with the Angels. We were like, the Nats could have signed him. They they had enough money. They would make enough money in revenue because they won the World Series to balance it out. It would have been fine. And then he comes out and he's like, you know, I was really sad about not going to the White House because, you know, well, <laughs> I'm from Texas and you know how I believe. And you're like, you piece of shit. You should go to Los Angeles. <laughs> like, I, I saw MC Brooks go from I'm heartbroken that my favorite player is no longer a national to, well, fuck this guy. And it was awesome. <laughs> Seriously, I read I read the quote and I <laughs> I shared it with my homegirl who was also yeah. conflicted about going to the Nats parade because of yeah. the whole White House thing. I shared it with her and I was like, "Yo, fuck this guy!" Like seriously, I was like, "You know what? We're good over here." Yeah. <laughs> thank yeah. Thank you for you know what? Thank you for your service. Yeah. You are no longer neither. We're good. Yeah. Enjoy yeah. enjoy that California sun. Bye. Exactly. And, and and that money. But you know, I'll tell you something. That that point that you made about Strasburg and you know, because I I personally I didn't have a problem with them shutting him down in 2012. Uh, you know, as and again, it was all from the standpoint of protecting the player. And what was surprising to me ultimately is that fans of the team apparently weren't interested in that you know it's like oh screw that he can pitch till his arm falls off you know right i mean that's the thing though is like if you look at the inverse because the new york mets and i don't remember what year it was that they they went on their world series run and then got beat by the royals um it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what year it was. But either way, it was very close to when the Nats had their 2012 shut down Strasburg, make the playoffs, but lose to the Cardinals thing, right? Mm-hmm. They compared the two teams and everybody was like applauding the Mets because Matt Harvey at the time, their Steven Strasburg essentially had just had Tommy John surgery and they were like, oh, well, we're just going to let, let him keep pitching. And and Harvey was like, yeah, let me keep pitching. Um I would like to point out that Matt Harvey now is on his fifth team, is out of the major leagues, is pitching in an independent league in a minor Mm -hmm. league team because his arm, he lost almost all of his velocity. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not to mention that he's a drunk, too. There's that. But like to show that these two two players essentially were like the mirror images of each other and how organizations should handle and not handle their players shows that the Nats did the right thing in my opinion. Like yeah. the Mets went for the short term gain. The Nats were playing the long game. And it I mean, God, it paid off. I mean they beat yeah. they were the Big most time. they were the, the the um the Astros were the most heavily favored uh World Series team in like like fifty years. Um that mm. the Nats like had no didn't have a snowball's chance at hell. Mm-hmm. Um they won every single road game, which has never been done never like this happened. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It was it was incredible. Yeah. Not, to, not to, I mean, not to mention too beating uh, what is it, Verlander and Cole. Oh, especially and, Verlander. And, and, yeah. You know, and I don't but, care how old he is. Freaking Verlander <laughs> is like the best pitcher in the game. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, and, also and, reliable. And, this guy. And, and and remember, Garrett Cole had at, at in game one hadn't given up five runs since basically after right after the start of the season. It's yeah. like mid. It's like mid May. And the Nats touched them both up. Yeah. <laughs> they touched them both up. I mean, after after game two in Houston, I was looking for a sweep. <laughs> I was like, you, yeah, us too. And then they came yeah. to DC and they yeah, laid you know? three turns in a row. Yeah, like, it was. Well, hey, I mean, some of that because I'll tell you what that that one game getting rained out that messed up everything. You know, because if it hadn't been for that, I think the Nats might actually have swept but you know i digress so i mean i just i want to come back to, again to this strasburg thing because yeah. 
you know, look, what you I, I didn't know that Strasburg came back, you know, talking about, yeah, I know this franchise has my best interests at heart. Because, I mean, there's nothing bigger for a professional athlete. And, you know, frankly, it's really unusual in this day and age yeah. where, I mean, and especially in this town, you know, to where we've seen, you know, the antics of professional athletes that either the team has sanctioned, you know, or, um, you know, that uh, where the team has just decided that the player is a piece of meat, you know, to be leveraged somehow, you know. And we've said there have been a bunch of examples on virtually every professional sports team of that. But, you know, this was really unusual, you know, for, for what the Nationals did. Again, I supported it. I didn't think it was a problem with it. I mean, that was part of the reason that you have Max Scherzer there now. You know, because they were like, we don't want to have to rely on this young guy like this, you know. Yeah. But um, I understand now. I mean, I, you know, cause, hell, everybody should want to play in New York in the pinstripes <laughs> and all that. I mean, it's, you know, just the Yankee tradition, you know, the mystique, the aura and all that. But um, and I'm not going to say that the Yankees don't have your interests at heart. I mean, I think ultimately, um, I, well, hell, the Yankees have their own interests at heart. I mean, I don't understand why they let D.D. Gregorius go. That was like, damn. That was, that was surprising. Well, I think yeah. that was probably Gregorius's choice because of um, now Philly is managed by Girardi. I think that's what it yeah. had to do with. Yeah, you know, I mean, and then, you know, we'll see what happens with that. I mean, you know, the Phillies, you know, but see, I, still, I think the Nationals are in the catbird seat in that division, not only because they're the World Series champs, but because of the way that they went about winning that World Series. And, you know, we got to see what happens. I mean, still, I, I maintain that the Cardinals did them a huge solid in the playoffs because the one team that the Nats could not fuck with was the Braves. In the regular <laughs> you know, season, was, yeah. That's yeah. that why they didn't win the division, you know. And we still got to see what that's like. But when when the Cardinals eliminated the Braves – that opened up everything. <laughs> Hang on, you I, you you miss you misspoke there. The Cardinals didn't eliminate the Braves. The Cardinals embarrassed the Braves. Yeah. The Cardinals destroyed the Braves because this was not like a oh my god the Braves lose a shocker five to four in extra innings to the Cardinals. No, this was the Braves lost thirteen to one in Atlanta with their best pitcher on the mound. This was this was embarrassing. Like. Say what you will about DC sports teams, right? But like, I can't remember any instance like that. I mean, we've had some pretty bad losses, but I don't remember anything like that. Like that was not with I, those stakes on it, at least. No, uh, not with the stakes of like a, a playoff, yeah. Yeah. Uh, advancing in the playoffs, at least. Yeah, that was. Th there's talk. Remember how we used to say there was a sports curse in DC? There's talk right now, and I've been reading it, and it's actually really funny, and it makes me feel bad because I just I can't I can't stand Atlanta as a sports town at all. Like I hate all of their teams, but like they're saying that they're saying that Atlanta is cursed, and like they do you like the, the Falcons? No, can't stand the Falcons. Interesting. No. no, can't stand the Falcons. There's just I don't know what it is about them, man. Like it's just there's something about Atlanta sports teams that just that just. Ugh, no, gross. Don't, like, don't talk to your buddy Russ. You yeah, like I know. I know. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't like. I hate them all. I hate them all. I hate them all. Wow. Like, with okay, I can tell you with the Falcons what it was is um in the early '90s when the Washington football team was good and they won their last uh, Super Bowl. 
uh, the team that everybody was like everybody else other than from the D.C. area was rooting for was the Falcons because uh, prime time Deion Sanders was playing for them. And Jerry Glanville, the man in black with the cowboy hat. Oh, he's cool. and He's rebellious. And we like this guy. And MC Hammer was hanging out with him and shit. And the Washington football team beat him. What was it? Oh, yeah. Like, 56 it was like six to uh, 17. 56, 17 in the regular season. They were like, oh, this is well, going to no, be that was in the playoffs. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that that's was right. Yeah. <laughs> that was also <laughs> that was also the first appearance of Brett Favre. Brett Favre because he Favre. came in. He came in and mop up duty. For the Falcons. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Indeed. For a guy who's a Falcon. That's a that that's another story that'll be we might have to talk about later. But like the reason why Favre left Atlanta was because he was a drunk and Jerry Glanville was like, listen, kid, you're going to be out of this league and you're going to be in rehab if you don't get out of Atlanta because there's too many bars and things for you to have fun with. You need to find a city that's boring as shit. Otherwise, you're in a lot of trouble. And Green Bay was Green Bay, Wisconsin. Yeah, he got got shunned to Green Bay. Wow, it, but that's great for Jerry Glanville. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but Glanville basically saved his career, probably saved his life too. Yeah, exactly. You know. Oh, and and the other thing, Mike, um, they switched to those black unis. You know, yeah. you know, they used to be wearing the red. All I mean, they switched to the black helmets and all this stuff, and it was like fortunes like- changed in Atlanta. Oh, I, I like the look too. I mean, it was, I but like- that whole, you know, especially with MC Hammer, because it was all like <laughs> too legit. <laughs> Too legit to quit, you know, and all he was, he was on the sidelines. He was on the sideline watching them getting their ass kicked by Washington. It was great. <laughs> yeah, hey, it was too hey, legit, all right. Yeah, well, and we were laughing after that game. I was like, you ain't shit. You ain't shit, you quit, you know. It's like... <laughs> Oh, but, man. but yeah, well, but I, but really though, the Hawks, there's nothing wrong with the Atlanta Hawks. I mean, it's like, damn, you know, <laughs> you go like pile on. I mean, all yeah. these the teams, I mean, guilty, guilty by association, here. all of them. Yeah. <laughs> you want me to like the Atlanta Hawks move to a different city? <laughs> <laughs> well, then they wouldn't be the Atlanta Hawks. You yeah, know? And then they would be respectable. But until then. <laughs> That's messed up. Yeah. Yeah. And and who and who knew? <laughs> who knew Mike Lunsford, you know, hated Atlanta sports teams. I mean, that's just I mean, I could understand I, passion. Yeah, I could understand the Braves. I mean, I feel like yeah. any any Nats fan or any or shit, just any baseball fan of any team that's not the Braves probably hates them. So yeah. Because of how like all the asshole shit they used to do if you looked at your home run too long. What yeah. was that? The catcher's name, McCann. Brian McCann. He's a yeah. douche. Yeah. Well, yeah. but you know, they had they the the Braves had probably what is the best rotation of pitchers ever. You know, I mean, geez, Glavin, Smoltz, yeah, Avery, Maddox, Maddox. yeah. I mean, any one of those guys would have been the ace. Of any other team in the majors, and they, and they only have... won one World Series. Womp womp. Well, you know, they just had the misfortune <laughs> of running into the Yankees a couple of times. You know? There it is. There it is. We just came full circle. <laughs> well, and you know, it, that Indian nickname thing came back to bite them. I mean, consider that the only th- that victory they have it was over the other Indian nickname team. 
It was like it was like a Native American spirit was like, all right, which one of them is more of the asshole name? I think the Indians and that big smiling chief Wahoo. Chief yeah, Wahoo, fuck those guys. There you go. Yeah. We'll let the Braves win this one. Too. Yeah. yeah, you know, because yeah. I mean, honestly, the the tomahawk chop thing that the the crowd does, you know, I mean that that's that's pretty odious. You know, Florida State does the same kind of thing, but you know, you're going to be doing. You might as well have freaking Tonto as your mascot or something. Yeah, if you're going to do that. I will. I will say this: of all of the sports teams in Atlanta, the only one that I I can't say that I hate. I don't hate the Falcons. I don't. I just like, eh. You know, like the Braves put a bad enough taste in my mouth, and the rest of the teams are just, as far as I'm concerned, they can just go somewhere else. Like it's, yeah. No, I'm I'm good. Like honestly, if I had any sports city that I really just I don't like their teams, it's yeah. I hate to say this, Julie's probably Philadelphia. Oh, it's probably New, oh, probably, New, it's York, probably New York. Yeah. Oh man, but I, but there's so I mean, personally, I yeah. think Philadelphia and Boston are yeah. teams where yeah, you just, I, especially, those especially Boston. Boston's yeah. bad. Oh, those guys yeah. are yeah. those guys are super obnoxious. Well, they've they've super obnoxious. They've adopted this whole "you hate us because you ain't us" mentality. And it's like, no, we hate you because you're dicks. Like that, that has nothing to do with like all your championships. I mean, like that's that's nice. We'd like to see somebody else win, but at the same time, no, you guys are assholes. And the Patriots just more and more cheating shit keeps coming out with them. And like, th- there comes a point where you have to say to yourself, like, how many times do you have to get accused of this shit before you learn your lesson? And then right. you wonder how many times did these victories? Was there some shady shit going on? And like. It, it, there's there's just too much now where I I, I just can't even like I, I can't even stomach them anymore. It's yeah. it's just yeah like I'm and, I'm over it. And with yeah. them, you know, it's organizational just because of uh, the report that came out after uh, what was the what was the uh, after Deflate uh, uh, Deflate Gate. Oh well, Deflate Gate, but but also after uh, um, one that came out about Spygate, like it was, oh. it was like the ten mm-hmm. year anniversary of Spygate, where they spoke about how. Uh, people on the video side had like built-in excuses that they would tell people as to why they were filming or what they were filming and how they're not so they're not members of the Patriots. They're part of <laughs> craft video productions. Yeah, you know, so so technically we're not really, you know, one of these groups that is not supposed to be filming, you know. Right. When, I mean, when you say that, when you say that, though, it makes me think of that scene from uh, Step Brothers when um, he um, when Will Ferrell's character had just gone up and smashed John C. Riley's drum set and he's downstairs and he's all, he's all sweaty and he's sitting on the couch. He's like, why are you so sweaty? Oh, I'm just watching cops. Like, I felt like that's like they're kind of like built in excuse. <laughs> <laughs> what are you guys filming oh no we're from the cops crew but you're wearing patriots gear like yeah but yeah we're we're, we're, we're with cops it's cool it's cool don't worry about it if you want a good laugh definitely go listen to the the audio clip of uh the like the guy getting caught by bengal security it is it's, it's actually really hilarious <laughs> that is so messed up Jeez, you know, I mean, and on top of which, they 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 really don't need to be cheating. But I I, right. I will say this, I will say this because um, you know, having again, having been a longtime NFL fan, you know, hey, the Patriots were they were one of those teams that was like the joke of the NFL, you know, and uh, the one year that they actually enjoyed some success because I you know when they went and they lost to uh, the Super Bowl to uh, Green Bay, that I mean that was. They had Bill Parcells as the coach. That was a little more. Le- I don't. Know, I, I, I shouldn't say it's a little more legitimate, but 
you know, they had they had a better foundation then. When they went to Super Bowl twenty against the Chicago Bears, that was I mean, I in fact I got a cousin who's a big Miami fan. He maintains that the rest of the AFC East said, you know what? Nobody wants to fuck with these bears. We'll let my sorry. We'll let the Patriots go and represent the, us this year and see what the hell happens to them, you know. And it was just, you know, a, 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 the biggest debacle there. But you know, all that to say that being a Patriots fan was no fun for a really, really, really long time. And so I understand now that they're enjoying the success. That you know the the um, you know the fans have really embraced it. And have gotten, you know, really just very nasty and, uh, you know, uh, snarky about the whole thing. And, you know, but part of that is a reflection of how long they suffered. But and, and who knows how long it's going to be when they go into the wilderness ultimately, because this guy cannot keep playing forever. You know, I yeah. mean, I don't know how much longer he's going to play whether it's another three years, four years, five years, or whatever. But Shouldn't he play after this year. Well, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he's because he's still, shockingly, he's still pretty good. And, you know, because they got really no, I mean, they got no receivers to speak of. I have no idea. You know, it, it's him. The fact that he puts the ball in a particular place. And, uh, you know, when he's gone, and that, hell, they had Jimmy Garoppolo sitting there on the bench, you know, ready to step in. And I think that may actually have had Garoppolo stayed. That might have hastened Brady's exit. And Brady was having yeah, yeah. that, you know, and because he's got more juice than the coach, he went to Robert Kraft and he's like, look, nope. you want to keep me, get rid of him, you know, instead of thinking about the long-term health of the franchise, you know, which yep. no. Brady could really care less about, you know. Bob Kraft was too worried about getting massages in Florida, though, so. Uh, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, you know, but I mean, and not to take anything away from Brady, because it's it's astounding what he did. In fact, um, I was, you know, when um, uh, what's his face? The guy in um, uh, New Orleans broke uh, oh, Brees. Man- yeah, Drew Brees. Thank you. Broke uh, Peyton Manning's touchdown record last week. Uh, and they were doing a comparison. And, you know, and Brees is 40 and, uh, you know, he's two years younger than uh uh you know brady and yet here's brady and now breeze breeze is brady will still be in the league when drew breeze is sitting up in the luxury box sipping on champagne watching these games you know i mean it's just it's i i i don't understand i it's like the guy doesn't have anything else to do he doesn't have it i mean you know i understand loving the game and all that but i mean i was i was just laughing you know looking at drew breeze because uh, NFL Network was showing uh, that um, New Orleans Colts Super Bowl uh, a couple of uh, actually it was a couple of weeks ago, and uh, Breeze took off his hair and he had this big full head of hair. And I look at him now and I'm like, oh my god, look at you! But you look at Brady <laughs> and it's like, damn, you know, he's he's still got all his hair. I mean, he's still you know basically looks a lot like he did. You know, in 2003, and it's just yeah. like, you're like, damn, what is it with this guy? I mean, he's because he's got to be torturing himself with all these exercise and diet regimens and all that. But everything is all the training and I mean, all this. But it's all predicated yeah. on keeping him on the field and viable to play this game as long as he can. I mean, the quick release, all that. I mean, the guy doesn't even take hits for the most part. 
You know, I mean, it's just the damnedest thing I've ever seen. I mean, I don't want to say he's the greatest quarterback of all time because, you know, I mean, I still, you know, look at other guys. There's, um, you know, what's his face? The um, God, the Baltimore Colts guy. I can't call his Johnny name. Unitas. Yes, Johnny Unitas, damn it. You know, it's like freaking Joe Montana. I mean, you know, some of those guys. But, you know, you can't argue, uh, you know, that Tom Brady is certainly going to be in the equation. You yeah, know, certainly. I mean, but, I, but I also I say like you could say he's the most accomplished for sure. But the rules, the rules changes have benefited him. I mean, if you yeah. if, if, if you know Johnny Unitas, if if Raymond Berry couldn't be hit, you know, after five yards, you know, I mean, I'm wondering what his numbers would have looked like. You know, I mean, ditto with Montana and, and some of those guys, because back in the Colts days, those guys were getting mugged all the way down the field. You know, I mean, it was just crazy. There was favor the passing game. now. There was a guy and I can't remember the guy's name. Let me see if I can look it up. But Bill Walsh, before he became the head coach of the 49ers, was the offensive coordinator for the San Diego. No, 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 no. Bill Walsh was the uh, offensive coordinator for the Cincinnati Bengals. Oh, oh, that's right. There's this tree spread around a lot. Yeah, this what ended up happening was is there was a quarterback that was uh, for let me see if I can find the guy's name. He was a quarterback for the Bengals and he was the first one to run what is now known as the West Coast offense, the one that Joe Montana oh, succeeded with so well. Yeah. And like what happened was is the dude like lit up the league and like was just destroying uh, records and then ended up separating his shoulder and couldn't throw and they never knew how to like fix the injury correctly. Mm. They, they, they just didn't. And it never healed right. And the guy was still playing quarterback with a busted shoulder and was, mm. still, was still killing it, but ended wow. up like having to basically like give it up. And it was, it was just such a sad story, but like the guy just like, just lit the league up. And like, it was just for like one year, I, I want to say, um, I'm trying to see if I can find the guy's name. It wasn't Ken Anderson. Um, maybe Could it have been this Virgil Carter? Maybe? That's what I'm looking up right now. Yeah. Yeah, because I hear I mean, because for the most part. Um, yeah, here it is. Carter was was the leading uh, leading passer in the oh. until an injury sidelined him in, in week 11. You, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Are you, are you sure you're not talking about Greg Cook? It might be Greg Cook. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because he only Greg played Cook, one year. 1969 to, towards rotator cuff in week three of the season. There it is. Shoulder shoulder trouble prematurely uh, into his career. Uh, okay. Yeah, like yeah. he just had this incredible season to begin. Yeah, it says right here. Yeah, he um, uh, Bengals started starting signal caller for much of the team's inaugural season and, and named Cook as the starting quarterback. His season started spectacularly as he led the Bengals to a 3-0 record. Um, he felt a pop in his right shoulder after being tackled by linebacker Jim Lynch, possibly due to the limited medical technology at the time, his torn rotator cuff went undiagnosed. Yeah. So oh. like he could have been, yeah, he could have been, I could have been a contender. Like he could have been <laughs> the next big thing. And like, I, all, all these things that we're saying right now, all these things about sports, these are all things that like we'll ta- we'll tackle in another episode of GGR pirate radio. But at next year in 2020, GGR Pirate Radio is only going to refer to the network. It's going to refer to all of our all of our shows. It's basically like a station. Like there's DC 101 and then there's the individual shows that are on there. GGR Pirate Radio is the network. Going forward, this show that we do where we have these great conversations, it's going to be called At the Diner. 
So we'll have a little bit of a name change, but it's going to be the same great content that you guys have always enjoyed. You'll have folks like Ulysses E. Campbell of Fantastic Forum, which you can check out tomorrow at 4 p.m. on WERAFM 96.7 in Arlington, if you're in the listening area. And actually, yours truly will be on there talking about Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. Um, we'll have MC Brooks as well. He'll still be around. He'll still be part of our lovely shenanigans because he's one of the co-hosts of At The Diner. Same thing with Steve Monick, that guy who helped me find the original GGR Pirate Radio podcast back in 2015, yes, because we didn't start the podcast until the second year of GGR. But yeah, for our five-year anniversary of podcasting, we're changing the name a little bit just to uh, make it a little bit more, not accessible, but when I was talking to people about the name and I explained at the diner, I was like, oh, yeah, that's the name of our podcast because it's like all those awesome conversations that you had at the diner with your friends. And then everybody's response is, oh, yeah, me and my friends, we used to always do that. We would hang out. We would talk and we'd be there for hours. And I was like, that's exact. It's it's like that only digital. Yes, exactly. So going forward, that's what we're going to have. And nothing's going to change as far as who's on the show, as far as what we talk about. Um it's just going to be a name change and uh, there'll be a cool new logo and all that fun stuff too as uh, as I like messing around on Photoshop with these sorts of things. So I liked this awesome sports conversation, guys, but we are closing in on hour three of podcasting here. So I think we need to go ahead and wrap this up. <laughs> um, again, yeah, this is this is great. Like, I, I love the sports stuff. In fact, I think the force, first sports podcast we'll have is going to be a sports what if podcast for 2020 find a player in any sport steve me mc yuli find a player that could have been amazing that could have been the next big thing and oh. drugs or um michael Injuries vick for example or Injury, or whatever, yeah. like yeah. any of those things where they had the wor the world was their oyster and something just dera derailed them. Injuries is the first one that always comes to mind, yeah. But, like, I think of Michael Vick and the whole thing with the dogs. Like, that, I mean, that ruined his career. I mean, he came back and he played for a few years. But, like, just imagine, like, what he would have been if that if if he had had the, the wherewithal or the right people in his life to, to say, hey, you know, maybe you shouldn't be funding this. Maybe you shouldn't be involved in a dog fighting ring because it's kind of illegal, dude. So maybe you should stop. Like his career could have been different. He would have he would be probably one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, I think. Just based on he like I think he would have eventually won a Super Bowl with the Falcons. It's it's crazy how things happen, and I, I think it would be really fun for us to really explore. Basically, like your your Hall of Fame, your What If Hall of Fame. That'll be a great name for it. Hmm. Well, I can tell you there are certainly a number of candidates <laughs> on the Redskins, you know, for this. <laughs> right. There were those guys who a like. Very obvious you know, one from this decade. Yeah. Yeah. Very obvious. Well, yeah. I, I was going back a little Price further Harvey. because uh, there was, Price I mean, and, and I don't know, I don't know that this is <laughs> the guy that I would name. There was, there was this guy named Bob Slater. He was a uh, defensive tackle from Penn State. And for like three years in a row in the preseason, he got hurt. You know, Greg said drafted out of Penn State, you know, suited up preseason game. Oh, he gets hurt. Come and a bad injury, gone for the season, you know. Next preseason, there he is. Oh, we're finally gonna get Bob Slater on the field. What? He's hurt again? Preseason? Gone for the year? Fuck! You know, it's like next year, okay, Bob Slater. Oh man, you know, it's like, <laughs> oh man. 
I right, now you're done for real, you know. I mean, so so stuff like that. I mean, because the the Redskins were a hard luck story with guys like that for a long time. I mean, aside from folks like Babe Laufenberg, who was the unquestioned captain of the preseason, the Babe, you know, quarterback, uh, you know, uh, Babe Laufenberg, who you know never never really got to play in the regular season extensively, but man, preseason. He'd be lighting it up, you know. It was like, you know, the the captain of the preseason lead these incredible comebacks and all kinds of to where he would be on the roster. You know, he was like the backup to like Joe Theismann or something. But you know, Joe Theismann wouldn't get hurt. You know, I mean, it was just you know this kind of thing. And ultimately, Babe ended his career in in uh, Dallas of all places. You know, because after the Redskins cut him, he uh, he ended up over there. So. But you yeah, either, die, either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become a villain. On that note, ladies and gentlemen, again, thank you for being part of our GGR uh, family. When it comes to the website, when it comes to the podcast, we appreciate you uh, patronizing our website. So again, for Mike, that's me. For Steve, for MC, for Yuli, for all of us here at GGR, thank you so much. Have a wonderful uh, holiday, whatever you celebrate, whether it be Christmas, whether it be Kwanzaa, whether it be Hanukkah, whether it be Festivus, or just nothing, Yule, whatever it is that you celebrate, have a good one. We, we want you to enjoy your holiday. Have a great new year. We'll see you in 2020. But for all of us here at The Great Geek Refuge, my name is Mike Lunsford, and don't be a juice guy. Thank you for listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Make sure you check out our website, greatgeekrefuge.com, for all of our awesome articles and wonderful podcasts. This has been Pirate Radio Network production, Juice Bags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy!